Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. I am here with Jaya Madava, or James Chinamo, who is the artist uh, working with Govinda Sky, that's his band, his Kirtan band. Jaya Madava lives in Salem, Massachusetts, and he started Govinda Sky in 2007 with two friends, Trevor Buckingham and Eddie Kane. So Trevor is the producer of all their music, and he used to be a drummer in a punk rock band in 1980. That's fun. We should talk about that. He's also a cartoonist with a graphic memoir coming out in 2023. I've been seeing some sneak peeks of that. That looks really cool. And he plays Murdunga drum and sings on the tracks. He plays, or they play, Govinda Sky, Kirtan Sanskrit Chants, and their latest track features recording artist Guru Ganesha of the Guru Ganesha Band. He is also a Kundalini Yoga practitioner, and I think that's all I have on him. This is the first time we've met, so I'm going to be uh, learning as much as you, and welcome. Nice to see you, Porter. Nice to finally meet you. Yeah, you too. Just a little bit. Uh, I do have a head cold, which is not conducive to podcasts at all, but I'll I'll try my best here. Oh, well, thank you for, for pushing through that and, and joining us anyway. I know that can't be fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember once I was actually backstage with um, Krishna Das, and he had like a really bad fever and was oh. going to go and perform anyway. <laughs> Oh, somebody was like how do you think that's gonna go and he went well we'll see yeah wow oh my god yeah they should have given him a sponge bath before he went out there <laughs> right oh yeah maybe cool him down yeah like you do with babies <laughs> yeah I because I remember my mindset was like man I would have just canceled <laughs> yeah me too definitely yeah yeah, yeah. that's oh, hard to um, perform yeah, so it's been so I got this cold on top of everything else around here. It's been rainy and miserable, but at least it hasn't been snow up here in Salem, Mass. So um, and it was like in the 40s today, so it wasn't so um, bad. But yeah. We've been having a lot of rain lately and no snow yet. Oh, OK. Well, we did have snow and I actually love snow, but maybe that's because there's so little of it here you get it and then it kind of goes and then it's like kind of temperate again i mean it's cold but it's not it looks beautiful terrible yeah it, it looks nice yeah it does look beautiful well that's the other thing about snow right is it's so beautiful when it sets like when it first starts but then like as people sort of oh, yeah. walk through it and whatever then it's like yeah, okay. you, you should have seen the snowstorms in new york city when i lived there <laughs> as a kid oh my god it was awful it was like the the snow the snow drifts were like brown you know right and then everybody's like all the cars and the you yeah. know the trash yeah. And the, yeah so it's it's beautiful it's beautiful in its inception right. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah so you grew up in the city i grew up in brooklyn new york oh okay okay in, cool. in the 1960s wow yeah, so uh, uh, I had quite an experience with city city life. Yeah, and when I moved up here, my dad my dad used to work at WCBS in in uh, New York, 
and uh, he um, produced a couple of um, radio shows. Uh, one of them was like a folk show where he like met all these great performers. Like he he met like Woody Guthrie and his what? son oh. Arlo. He said, "Yeah, I met Arlo Guthrie too. He was like 13. I was like, oh my god, you know, and Peter Paul and Mary and uh, uh, Carly Simon. He knew and everybody else and." And he got a job up here in Massachusetts and he moved us and I was devastated because I did not want to leave Brooklyn. <laughs> and, but, you know, like, like all things, you get used to it. And I acclimated and I love New England, you know, and especially Salem now. I've been here a year and this is like the mm. fun funkiest town. It's just so cool up here. Great people, great restaurants, shops, a lot of uh, witchcraft going on, you know. <laughs> I was going to say there's like a really cool Halloween tradition there too, right? Huge. Yeah. People from all over the world come here. I mean, I met people from like every European country you can you can think of. Yeah, it's wow. the Halloween uh city, you know, in in the on the globe. What makes it so special? Cuz I I've, I've never yeah, I've never well, been, I've just heard because of the, uh, in 1692, because of the, the witch, um, the hysteria that went on, uh, that um, tw uh, 20 people, innocent people were, were executed yeah. for a witch, which is, you know, it's, it's so, yeah, it's ludicrous. But, I mean, if you've seen that movie. Um, the Crucible? The Crucible. That kind of gives you a little, uh, it in a nutshell. You know, I mean, they took a lot of liberties, you know, with the story here and there, but that's basically what it was. It was hysteria, mass hysteria. Yeah. And uh, 20 people lost their lives. And uh, I did visit the uh, actual place where they were hung. It's called Proctor's Ledge. And it's uh, about a mile away from me. And they finally found the exact spot where they were hung. They used to think oh. it was up in this hill, but it wasn't. And so they put a memorial there with the uh with the 20 people uh their names like in granite which oh. is really nice but the whole dichotomy of the whole situation is that this is such a witchy town now but in 1692 there were no real witches here you know what i mean <laughs> but you know uh uh the popularity and uh, uh i don't know they just cashed in on the whole a witch thing and there's like all these witchcraft stores and wizard stores and huge celebration halloween thousands and thousands of people are here do they do something special that's like salem-y for halloween that makes it so attractive uh, yeah well you know what it's it's uh mostly you will see people in uh witch garb mm. so they're kind of celebrating the the witches but i mean there weren't really witches here but they're celebrating witches anyway so and it's kind of cool i mean uh you know witchcraft doesn't really necessarily mean evil anyway yeah. you know it's just yeah. the, the paganism you know yeah which christianity and other religions borrowed from right so anyway <laughs> but anyway yeah, it's a great place to live that's cool yeah, I've I've only heard about it. It'd be cool to experience one year. Oh, you have to come and visit. In Girl, yeah, that would be really cool. I would love that. I mean, people book like years in advance. Wow. You know? Yeah. Wow. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Well noted. So maybe in like 2027. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'll mark you down, pencil you in somewhere. Okay, cool. Yeah. Mm. So you, you were in your bio, I noticed you were in a punk rock band. Yeah. Uh, 1979, uh, my friends and I, we decided, I mean, we, we were jamming anyway, you know, I was the drummer and I had drums in my house. I'd come over with their Sears electric guitars and stuff and little amps and, and we just goof around. We didn't really know a lot. And then one day we was like, well, let's make up a song. And this is when the punk craze was kind of, it was kind of like dying out a little bit because it really peaked in like 76 and 77. So this is 79 and it was like new wave were coming in, the talking heads and mm. they were popular. And uh, so we just put a couple of songs together. And before you knew it, we had like 10 songs and they were, I don't think they were like really hardcore punk at all. They were just kind of like, like new wavy. Oh, God bless you. They were like new wavy, uh, Elvis Costello-ish type of stuff, a little bit of clash, something like that. But it wasn't hardcore punk at all. But uh, we thought of ourselves as, you know, punk rockers. And uh, we played a, a few gigs here and there in the city. And uh, our shining moment was we played the famous Rathskeller, which is called the Rat. Uh-huh. It was like Boston CBGBs. You know, like that was the place to play. And so we played there like a couple of times and fun. we fulfilled our, our goal <laughs> <laughs> to play the crappiest place on earth. <laughs> yeah. So then uh, about, uh, we would still jam occasionally. I would get together with Eddie, who's uh, the guitar player who I've known since we were 14. And uh, we still play to this day. And he, um, his like I, I guess his uh charge or his uh, adoptive son in a way uh, had this little recording studio he was like 14 years old and uh but he was like he knew what he was doing in his little studio with uh pro tools and the other other uh, apps and stuff like that uh, programs you can get and he sounded pretty good and one day he said hey you want to make a beat and i went <laughs> okay and so we made a beat and it was more like a hip hop rap thing. And I just added some uh, Sanskrit to it, you know, like Om Namah Shivaya or, or you know, Hari Om, Hari Om. And uh, I wrote some lyrics for him. And so he would like spit the lyrics, which were all kind of like transcendental anyway. And then uh, we put an album together. Oh, cool. Yeah. Was we that- put- like the first go is that under Govinda Sky as Govinda Sky or was this before yeah, that? Yeah, Govinda Sky. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Our first, you know, our first name was going to be Sky Burial, because that's the, you know what that is, right? No. It's the Tibetan tradition of after someone passes away, they um, cut up his body up in the hills in the Himalayas or in Tibet, and the vultures come down. I was eat- just yeah okay. It's called a sky burial. Oh. So, so we were going to go with that. But I discovered online there was a, like, this hardcore band called Sky Burial. <laughs> we had to nix that. I thought I was, the, you know, I was so clever to, to make that up. So I like the word sky. So we said, let's call it Govinda Sky. You know? oh, okay. And whenever I, 
whenever I see like a uh, that bluish, that really almost turquoise blue, I always call it Govinda blue. So I would say that's a Govinda sky. Mm. Another, it's a blue, um, the blue hue of uh, Krishna. Oh, okay. That's a. <laughs> I was just thinking. I. I always loved the name Veruca Salt, and so I always had a band named Veruca Salt, and then I found out that there was a band named Veruca Salt. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, and they were kind of famous, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I like, it was way before they were, you know, I was, like, thinking about that. When I grow up, I'm going to have, and then there was, like, oh, yeah. I feel like good ideas are sort of, like, you know, in the air, and yeah. whoever seizes it first gets it, you know? Uh -huh. Yeah. The sky burial thing, though, I was nodding my head because I just started reading and I'm not sure if I'm going to finish it because it's awfully like medically graphic, which is hard for me. But um, John Irving has a book called The the Boy from the Circus or something it has something to do with the circus. Oh, and it takes place yeah. in India. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah I read that. Yeah, oh, you John, did? OK. Yeah. John okay. Irving is one of my favorite authors. I mean, for, for novels anyway. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. I mean, the Hotel New Hampshire. I mean, I didn't read that one. I oh, read, you have to read that. What was it? The Cider. I love the Cider House Rules yeah. and um, Prayer World for Owen Meany. World according. I didn't read the World According to Garth. That's like oh, it's really famous on it. You have to read the two ones that really. Yeah. yeah. You know, those are the yeah. definitive uh, John Irving uh, novels. But he talks about. He's like the characters in India. I don't know if you were, it's really, it's in the beginning. And he's, there's these vultures up because they've done that, but they haven't put the bodies in the Himalayas. They put them like on top of a building. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. It's like, oh, that's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's the epitome of recycle, reuse. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, you know, it, it's, makes sense if your life philosophy is that the body is basically just a shell i mean who cares what happens to it afterwards right so yeah i mean yeah. they have these things now where you can be uh cremated and then they put your ashes in a um like a planter and mm. it throws a tree i think i'm not sure what exactly it does but mm -hmm. then you you have a tree there so yeah yeah <laughs> i like yeah i really like that the the whole like coffin thing is very Odd yeah. No. yeah. We're this, watching. Is a, this is a cheery subject. <laughs> what else do you want to talk about? <laughs> the black yeah. death or the plague. I feel like people don't talk about death enough though, you know? Like like it's I mean it's normal. It's it's not like it's not gonna happen. <laughs> right, right, right. Um but, that famous saying, I forget the comedian's name, but he said, uh, no, I, I don't fear death at all. I just don't want to be there when it happens. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I've never heard that before. <laughs> yeah. So what was the trip? Was there a transition for you from like doing the the punk rock or the soft core punk rock, I guess, to like oh, yoga? Well, <laughs> well, I did yoga in high school. And um, that was, oh, my God, 1973. And uh, I, I knew what it was about. I knew it came from the East, the mystical India and stuff. And I was really interested in it. And I was just 
gravitate towards that stuff. And well, what I wrote in my, um, I'm writing now in my uh, graphic memoir is like how I got interested in it mm. by hearing like things from, uh, you know, Rubber Soul, the song Norwegian Wood with the sitar. George plays the sitar in it. And it's like, oh, oh sitar, wait a minute, you know, and then you, then they started um, uh, using a lot of Indian instrumentation uh, in the rock and roll from the late 60s. Mm -hmm. you know, Stones did and Donovan and uh, George Harrison, of course, you know, and, uh, and I just love that aspect of it. And I didn't really get in, involved in any type of um, uh, sangha or, you know, gathering of uh, yogis or, or uh, practitioners of uh, any type of philosophy until I met my, my former wife, uh, Rebecca, uh, her initiated name was Pankaja. And uh, she was a, a Siddha, uh, Siddha Yoga, and she followed um, Muktananda um, in upstate New York and South Fallsburg, and she lived at the ashram. Mm. And I met her on Nantucket. I lived on Nantucket for a while. And she had this like altar in her room with this beautiful Indian woman and candles. And I'm going, what is that? What's all that about? And she told me that was Guru Mai who took over the lineage mm -hmm. from uh, Muktananda and I was like oh great and she played me these chants Om Namah Shivaya excuse me and some other ones and I was like oh wow so it kind of she opened up another door and so I'm indebted to her always for for doing that and I started going to the Siddha Ashram here in Boston and it was just lovely and uh so that was 93 so I've been kind of in it mm. since since then you know did you make it a practice to make music as part of that practice no. initially or uh no i would just go for you know they would have the their different sanghas like on sunday morning i would bring my kids and they would have um meditation but for the kids they gave them a time limit of one minute <laughs> <laughs> that's all that's all the kids can really can really do but then there's the chanting and there uh, the chant was om namah shivaya which is so beautiful and um and that's where i got into it from there and then my wife my uh, former wife bought me a mridanga drum hmm. and uh i started fooling around with that and pretty soon you know i got a harmonium and then the cartels which is which is the easiest thing to do so i'm good at that not the other instruments but uh and then that's when i met up with eddie and his uh charge trevor buckingham mm. that's where we went from there because i had all this uh well i didn't have a lot of knowledge but a little bit of basic knowledge of uh what the what bhakti was all about and everything else and so that's where it sprang from you know mm. I'm still a novice. I mean, I, I don't know a lot, you know, I'm just scratching the surface. What, why do you say that? Because it's so, the, the subject of, of um, bhakti yoga and any type of yoga and the, the, the vast uh, uh, knowledge of the uh, Vedic literature and all that stuff, it is, it is like trying to count the stars in the mm -hmm. solar system. It is so, it's incredibly, uh, just a huge uh, undertaking. 
and you have to try to learn a little bit at a time, like a little bit every day, you know, learn a new sloka or a new chant, mm. something, or learn this on the harmonium and just keep on learning. Mm. So, and I learned from other people, other uh, chant artists, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially uh, people, uh, you know, Krishnadas, of course. I mean, I saw, I saw him in, in the year 2000 and there was like maybe 30 people in the audience, you know, mm-hmm. and so then I saw him again. I like, haven't been to one of those concerts. <laughs> 2010 and it was like, you know, 500 people and then, you know but um yeah he's he's one of my favorites um and he's a very humble sweet guy yeah he, he really is yeah you know he's not starstruck or anything or doesn't have a big no problem. no he's, he's super down to earth yeah he, he walks the walk as we say yeah yeah it have you heard that thing i thought that was fascinating that it was he and John Friend, who had the same guru, and John Friend was the one who was into the chanting, and Krishna Das was the one who was into the yoga, and the guru told them to switch. Oh. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's rumor, but. Maybe. No, there's all <laughs> sorts of stories. I mean, the, the one story about Krishna Das is that he was this close to joining the rock band Blue Oyster Cult. Oh. <laughs> as, really- as a singer? Yeah, singer and guitar player. Okay. Uh, because they all came from, I think, from Long Island. And that's uh-huh. where Krishnadas was from. And um, he decided, you know, I think he made a couple of trips back and forth to India. And then they asked him, like, are you in or out? And he went like, nah, I'm out. I'm going to stick with this <laughs> chanting stuff. Yeah. So, cool. so that's good news for us. Bad news for Blue Oyster Cult. <laughs> yeah, good investment. Yeah. I mean, that was a pretty, a pretty amazing leap of faith when you think of it, because even now, you know, you can say, I want to be a chant artist and there's people you can go like so-and-so, like Krishna Das, like whoever. But in that time, I mean, that wasn't sort of like, I want to be a YouTuber in like the (laughs) eighties. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was, you know, the right time and the right place. Yeah. And he succeeded, and my hat's mm-hmm. off to him, you know. Yeah. And I also like Nina Rao, mm. uh, who uh, accompanies Tim all the time. She's a mm-hmm. sweetheart, too. Mm-hmm. And uh, an, um, another chant, uh, uh, she does Buddhist chants, is mm. my friend uh, Lee Mirabai Harrington. Oh, yeah. I've sung with her. Oh, yeah. So she yeah. sings a track of ours called uh, Kalima. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. 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 Her voice is just beautiful. It's yeah. just sublime. And uh, she really, I'm so happy that I asked her to do it. And plus, we needed a woman's voice. <laughs> <laughs> it was starting to sound like, you know, the just the old boys club, you know, with it was just us, you know, like three or four people, you know, three or four men. Mm-hmm. And we needed a, a, a woman's voice there. So we're adding women's voices now. And it makes it so much better. Oh, nice. It really does. Yeah. Do do you play uh, live often as well? No, not anymore. No. Uh, especially since the pandemic hit and stuff and just threw everybody for a loop. And uh, the producer, Trevor, he recently got married, has a new baby, you know, but I'm still recording with him occasionally, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm always curious what like everybody's kind of uh, chanting looks like for, well, I don't even do as much chanting anymore, but I'm, I'm definitely more, uh, I've always been more interested in recording. I really love recording mm -hmm. as a, as a thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's fun. It's so much fun, especially when I'm working with my friend Trevor. Hmm. He's like he's a young guy. He's like 27. Hmm. He's got like thousands of dollars of equipment and, you know, the top shelf equipment stuff. And he knows how to use it. Hmm. The tracks that we come up with come out beautiful. I mean, the latest one that we did that I think did. I, I don't know if I sent it to you, but um, the one with uh, Guru Ganesh. No, you didn't send it to me. Oh, it's, we do a version of Wahe Guru. Okay. And, Is it out? No, not officially. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can send you the demo of it if you'd like. But uh, I just happened to, add, I met Guru Ganesh a few years ago when he did a concert with, uh, with um, oh my God, Prim, I forget their names. The two people. Ava Pramal? Yes. The yeah. two people plus one. Ava Pramal <laughs> and Me 10 with Manoz. <laughs> right what a great concert and uh they were fantastic and uh guru ganesh band opened for them. that would have been a while ago that was with when he was touring uh, with paloma so maybe seven years ago yeah okay yeah something like that six or yeah, seven I years ago. just had paloma on the on the um the podcast she was the female singer that they right, right. yeah and i right. saw that I saw that as well in Phoenix. That was a really beautiful concert. Yeah. And I was really impressed with Guru and Ganesh band. I really loved them. It yeah. Sure. Yeah. It reminded me of, uh, it was so laid back. It was kind of like watching a Grateful Dead show. Yeah. And then I find out later that he's a big, huge deadhead. And we've talked about our experiences going to see the dead in our younger days. Yeah. I just happened to ask him. I said, hey, would you like to add your voice to this? We're doing Wahe Guru. And he goes, oh, sure. <laughs> I went, okay. <laughs> so uh, we arranged it. He had a producer that uh, we figured things out. And he added his voice from Virginia. Yeah. I was up in Salem. And the producer, his recordist, was in Oregon. So the, the <laughs> magic of uh, technology, you know. So we don't really have to be there anymore. I know. You know. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That would avoid a lot of, uh, avoid a lot of arguments and, and egos. <laughs> that's that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Another. There's just also like a lot of. Um, I find it so much nicer to be in your own space when you're recording. You know, so if you can do it in your own time yeah. and not necessarily like okay everybody has to be in the studio at noon and that's when you have to be on and it has to sound good because we have two hours to do it you know yeah exactly yeah i was wondering if you had gotten him to sing or if you played guitar um but it, so it's a singing that's cool yeah just, just the voice i can always tell i can always tell his guitar he has like a very distinct yeah guitar sound when he along with, along with his voice just yeah that's true yes that is absolutely true yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah he's a great guy yeah so what are what are y'all up to now are you was this why he could attract part of another album or 
Yeah, this is, uh, we started this about five years ago. And like I said, you know, the COVID thing and marriage and babies and uh, illness and whatever. And finally, we're getting back into it because we've got like seven or eight new songs, new tracks, new chants. Oh, and cool. So it's tedious, but we're we're working on it, you know, here and there, you know, so hopefully it'll come out. We'll have another album out soon. Registration is now open for the January songwriting series. It will be five sessions starting Tuesday, January 3rd. And this will be for people, not necessarily musicians, who have been wanting to write a song. Songwriting has been an instrumental part of my own processing and healing. And so I wanted to share this as a way, as a vehicle for you to get that inner world of yours and turn it into something tangible. Go to portersinger.com slash community. Do you play drums when you, when you sing? Is that what you? Uh, yeah, sometimes, yeah. yeah. I have a cajon or uh, the mridanga, uh, or I also have a, a dumbek, an Arabic drum. I bring them all with us anyway, and I just decide at the last second what I'll play. And I also have a you know shruti box. Oh, okay. I use that, and um, uh, sometimes it's not good. <laughs> the last time we played, we were standing up, and I forgot totally like. You can't play the shruti box standing up. <laughs> I'm like holding it off to the side. And it looked really weird. Did you put it on a table? I've seen people. I, yeah, but I didn't think of that. Right. Okay. I just had it there because we start out on the floor. Right. With like acoustic chants. And then we kind of stand up and we get into the more uh, electric type of stuff, you know. Because we have electric drums and uh, bass and uh, a couple of electric guitars. Oh, fun. Yeah, yeah. So That's super fun. Is there yeah. much of a chant scene in Salem? Uh, kind of, yeah. It's mostly in the greater Boston area in okay. Cambridge. Uh, there's this um, group of people or a sangha that I like to call it. It's called Kitchri Kirtan. And it's been going on for 11 almost 12 years i think and every once a month we meet at this um these people's house uh his name is tamal and his lovely wife shakti and they have like a really nice big sprawling apartment so mm. we can get like 30 people in his living room mm -hmm. and so we have the monthly chant there it's been going on for about 12 years now and oh. he recently put together a uh, album of uh, all of us chanters, different chanters called uh, Chantabrigia, which is a play on words because what you call people in Cambridge or you call Cambridge is uh, Cantabrigia. Oh, okay. It's old English, I think. I'm not sure. But anyway, so he did this whole thing with um, like video and audio and it's really, it's really nice. That's cool. Where's, can you see that or? Uh, you know what? I can send you a link to the trailer. Okay, yeah, I'll put that in the show notes for people if they want to. Yeah, you, you would like, you would definitely like it because it's the whole uh, community, the whole array of different chant people. Oh, neat! Uh, there's like about twenty of twenty of us, I think. Yeah, and it's a great community. So, is that 
is that all people who chant generally in in sanskrit and like the hindu tradition yeah yeah, yeah, yeah mostly every so often uh there'll be um oh i forget the name of that who are the people who follow rumi oh sufis sufi yeah. sufi chants uh there was a chanting rabbi i didn't see him that time but oh. I, know, I know he was here so his hebrew not kirtan rabbi i i forget who it is oh. i don't think it's him no it was, okay. another, it was another rabbi uh and uh yeah and it's, it's really open and welcoming and it's like open mic night yeah you know, okay if they don't have a certain you know uh chant walla coming it's open mic mm-hmm. and get up there you know oh that's neat yeah so i mean they've had some oh i forget who they've had um yeah but they would get like national you know uh chanters national kirtan leaders uh come through every so often yeah not, not big names like krishna das i don't think but you know, uh, the others are, are equally as good and yeah. uh, they come through. There is, um, there was a similar thing in LA when I lived there where it was, oh, his name was Randall, Randall Real, I think. And um, he would, he would do something similar. You would get there, there'd be like a hundred shoes outside and uh, <laughs> You go downstairs and whoever was performing that week would, um, you know, would be like the guest of honor. I think it would, and then everyone would do the Hanuman Chalisa and then we'd eat. Yeah. Nice. That's fun. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I was into before I actually got into um, Kundalini yoga. That was my like first, um, introduction to chant music was was the bhakti scene yeah Uh, you know you know what's funny and it's kind of uh one of those pet peeves of mine is that i was um i was watching tv which is crazy anyway right tv kill your television but anyway i was with my mom 87 years old we're watching tv late at night and one of those commercials came on for you know yoga place uh-huh. And it was like one of these like uh, uh, late at night infomercial type of uh, 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 the tempo of it was like, come on, we do this yoga and we're going to do this and that. And uh, you bring your mat and this and also no chanting. So it was like they were like, come to us. Oh, you mean they were they were advertising it as don't worry, we won't have to. Yeah, we won't don't have to worry. <laughs> no chanting and yeah. it's like oh my god how how despicable is that i mean <laughs> you know i mean these, these the people that they're targeting are the people who have no patience no tolerance no so they figure yoga is just an exercise right i was gonna say it sounds like a like kind of a gym sort of like, situation. Yeah. oh my god i i was like i was laughing i was like this <laughs> you know how how they took the um the ancient practice of yoga and westernized it and streamlined it yeah. and became, uh, i call it mall yoga 
you know, they're just like, oh, come on in, we're doing yoga. And okay, you got to wear these fancy clothes and get this mat, you know, and, and now they're like having, uh, uh, was it um, customized like mat spray cleaner? Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> little, you know, a little bottle of spray cleaner for your mat with a little ohm sign on it. You know, it costs like twelve ninety nine. Oh, okay, gotcha. God, the the commercialization of of this ancient practice. Yeah, well, I think it's easier for people to relate to something if they understand like. And I mean, we see that in religion, too. It's like you don't necessarily have to know what the meaning of something is or like what it means to you personally. Right. Because you can just buy the costume. You can, you know, do the the thing sort of and go like, I'm a Buddhist. I'm a Christian. I'm a, you know, whatever, because I wear this or I do this on Sunday or, you know. Yeah, it's like, it's uh, all right, come to our church. No praying. <laughs> I'm just a purist, you know. I mean, uh, yeah. I think also maybe people are a little nervous about the chanting because it feels kind of cult-like. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah, it's so silly. Yeah. I mean, there's a school in Georgia, uh, maybe about a year ago. They are, are allowing yoga, okay, but the students in the school who take the yoga classes cannot say namaste. Ah, okay. I had actually an experience of teaching. Um, so it's weird actually, but I didn't really practice Kundalini yoga in the beginning. I taught it to children. Like mm -hmm. I didn't really have a personal practice of it. I just knew how to teach stuff to kids, which was really fun. I loved it. But, um, but so I was using all the, what? A bunch of little kids doing the fire breath? You're not supposed to. No, they didn't recommend doing breath of fire until you're like formed <laughs> or something. But no, we were just doing like cute little chants and like whatever. But some some uh, girl's dad got mad at the the language. You know, we were saying yeah, yeah, yeah. it reminded him of Satan and yeah, stuff like that or whatever. Intolerant. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, in, in retrospect, it. it it does sort of introduce a, you know, a, a life philosophy or whatever that maybe he wasn't jiving with. But anyway, what I thought was interesting about it is I finally convinced the program director that this was okay because I took the example of ballet and I was like, when we do ballet, we use the language of ballet. <laughs> we, you know, we say w whatever, you know, um, yay or whatever right um instead of bend <laughs> so um so she was like okay i like that i can i can i can deal with that so yeah i mean we just have to remember the old saying from the early 90s celebrate diversity mm. remember that <laughs> yeah uh, yeah it's been a rough few these past few years so yeah you know, yeah say. so um yeah interesting is there anything else you think you want to share like about what you're up to or um, good books <laughs> and what else i read is biographies and autobiographies oh, okay memoirs 
I haven't read a novel in so long. <laughs> and I don't know. It's weird. If I pick up a novel, it doesn't grab my interest. Hmm. A, a story from real life does. Yeah. Especially when you read like about the old rock stars, you know, like Neil Young and Crosby, Stills and Nash and Jimi Hendrix and John Lennon. And it's so much more interesting. But that's all I read now. Biographies. Biographies. It's cool. So <laughs> but um, no, I'm working on my finishing my um, graphic memoir. Oh, that's it's, right. Yeah. It's a journey in my weird life from uh, you know i guess from birth till till uh present and uh it's mostly silly stuff foolish things that have happened to me uh sprinkled in with uh some uh spiritual stuff that has also happened to me and how i came here and came there and and, and whatever and and uh how i did the music how i uh, approach music and how I approach the spirituality of, of things and um, but uh, it's you know mostly uh, humorous mm -hmm. yeah. so I'm looking forward for that to be published we're doing some editing right now and it's just it's just tedious it's just like you know so I've been doing that for the last year you so you're also a visual artist is that yeah yeah fair? I was an editorial cartoonist for a couple of newspapers. Uh, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And That's painting. Fun. Yeah. Jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> I like the, so it seems like you read autobiographies and biographies and you're also interested in writing one. And that's, so how did you choose graphic novel? Because I can draw cartoons. And so I thought I would make it you know, as a graphic memoir. It's you know? a really cool way to experience someone's story. Yeah. I was looking yeah. at some of your. Did uh, I say? No, what? you posted something on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, the uh, Sadu. Yeah. That's, that's a. <laughs> it's a true story because they're they're all true, and uh, it's just like like I said before, is sometimes fiction is is more interesting than than real life and. Uh, or the other way around. Real life is more <laughs> more interesting than fiction, and that was one story that was 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 uh, in, insane and stuff. And my uh, wife at the time just just like laughed her head off at me because I'll just recap. Uh, she signed me up for an intensive, a yoga, a Siddha yoga intensive, and it was at this prestigious auditorium called Jordan Hall in Boston. I mean, where they've they've had like symphonies and other things there. And so they were having the intensive and I really didn't know what it was and said, yeah, you go there and you'll learn the chant and stuff and learn things. I went, okay. So I went and before I went, I said, all right, what am I going to wear? So I picked like the shabbiest clothes because I thought like, to, to reach some sort of spiritual realm that she was introducing me to, I had to look like a, a, a wandering a mendicant. <laughs> I had to be some sort of poor <laughs> spiritual guy. And so I picked the worst clothes, like this old shirt uh, that was like, you know, the collar was like cut off and these baggy old pants that I bought at Goodwill 
and like sandals. And this is when I had long hair and I had like a little goatee and long hair. And I'm walking, <laughs> look maybe like Jesus Christ. And so I walk in and uh, we're in the auditorium and they're chanting. It was beautiful. It was like 300 people chanting Om Namah Shivaya for about an hour. It was unbelievable. Then when we walked outside at lunchtime or something, I, you know, the bright lights in the dining room, I saw all these people and there were, everyone was dressed immaculately. And I was the only one who looked like, you know, like uh, the artful Dodger. <laughs> <laughs> I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh my God. And uh, yeah, people love that story. They're going, what were you thinking? I said, that's how naive I was. I think that that's a fairly, you I what e easy to relate to assumption though right like yeah. I think when most people think about spirituality they also think of poverty yes especially you know and the the subcontinent you know India it's like mm -hmm. I'm going to this thing and they're going to be chanting uh, Sanskrit and Hinduism and they have Shiva and you know here I am in ragged clothes <laughs> all that was missing was the uh, the begging pot. <laughs> yeah it was, it that's was great quite an awakening so when do you think that is uh do you have like a date or are you just sort of seeing how it goes yeah i'm seeing how it goes uh i've got like 151 pages and uh i was only going to shoot for maybe 30 oh wow a year ago just to have like a little you know yeah little, and it's just grown and uh, I think maybe because of the surroundings or whatever, I, when I first got here, I was a little bit lost, you know, when you first moved to a new town. And then uh, I just started exploring and there's great people here, you know, and uh, just a great vibe here, especially at Halloween time. <laughs> I just started getting into it, said, you know what, I'm going to do more. And it was like, it became like a job. It was like every day. I would take all my stuff down to the local cafe. There's a hipster cafe I go to all the time. Expen overpriced, you know, coffee and, and pastries. And uh, I would spend like three or four hours in there every day and just doing the, the basic cartoons. Cool. Yeah. So I'll send you a couple more samples. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. So if people want to find out more about what you do and especially find out about the release of your book, what how should they uh do that i guess through instagram another one. link an it there's an old one of mine govinda sky and for some reason you can't like delete it uh, oh, I, okay. <laughs> I couldn't delete it because i forgot the password you know it was so long ago so there might be two but yeah i'm sure you'll link the proper one i'll find it yeah the one that you that you usually use right okay so yeah we will see you in the next episode thank you james and have a wonderful day yeah you too bye thank you so bye. much. thanks for tuning into the podcast y'all please like subscribe rate comment whatever the platform you listen to podcasts on offers you as a way to let its algorithm know that you're enjoying these episodes that really helps also there's some links in the podcast description notes that allow you to support the podcast 
in a way that benefits you and us. So please check those out. And if you'd like to stay in touch with me, you can sign up for my mailing list at portersinger.com. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Why, hey,